My scripture this morning will be taken from the book of Romans, chapter 13, verses 8 through 14. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is. How it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling in drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. The lesson falls into two identifiable parts. Ethical obligations based on love. And then the moral exhortations to be alert and to live in a state of heightened awareness. And then I'm going to start to sound like I've been writing my thesis. In the light of brevity of time allotted until the day of the Lord. In the first part. Paul sees the Jewish slash Christian obligation to love one another as one's self as the single rule that encapsulates all the other laws and commands. I, I want you to really understand this part. Paul is Jewish. I, I tend to think that we forget that. He's not just Jewish. He's a Pharisee. His entire being before he decided to change his path and, or God changed his path for him was he literally lived and breathed teaching people Leviticus and Deuteronomy and then how does it work within the Torah? How do we walk in the footsteps of God? Well, you can't, right? It's, it's physically impossible to do the things that God can, but we can do those commands. struggling with this to be guided by such a law may lack specific context but it holds up this brilliant moral and ethical light in a very dark world as the second piece suggests so last week we talked about genuine love this love is to be any anipokritos, or unhypocritical. 
as we would say in English. If you try to treat someone you thoroughly dislike as though, in fact, you cared very deeply for them. If you try to think how it is to live inside their skin and walk in their shoes, then it may well be happen that it is a place of genuine sympathy that, that will arrive. And from that real affection and finally an unhypocritical love. I don't think we understand this in any way, shape, or form. We talk about it. We, uh, we give it very high lip service. We think about it in such a way that when the, the type of love that he's talking about is tough. It's, it's almost physically impossible. In the first century, he's talking to a church that as we have talked ad nauseum about, that literally the government that they are living under has their thumb pressed so hard on the people that they're literally afraid to breathe. Their whole world is given to them by Rome. Their identity is to be slaves to the Roman Empire. We, we don't get that. You, you live in a totally different world. You, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to make this a, a mountain out of a molehill, but let's, let's face it, we're, we're spoiled. We live in a world that allows us to agree to disagree. We, we have the ability to go buy clothes. We, we can choose uh, what kind of food we want to go eat. We complain that it takes us too long to get food at McDonald's. To a church in the first century that was eating scraps off the floor that the Romans would drop. And then, as if that's not enough, Jesus has the audacity to tell them that they have to love their enemies. With a God type of love, a genuine sense of love. Jesus, that's, that's impossible. And you could hear Jesus going, yes, it is. But you still should do it. But then Paul goes off and messes himself up even more. It's not enough to just love your enemies. You have to love your neighbor in the same way that God loves us. And it can't be hypocritical. Like I have said in the last couple weeks, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I, I have to love this human being is the way that God created them, but I don't have to like them very much. Paul would argue with me that that's not enough. You don't understand love. I can hear Paul right now. Joshua, that'd be Yeshua. You don't understand this, Yeshua. Love that type of love is, it's fake. You're putting on a fake face. Until you are able to walk into your enemy's shoes and feel empathy, you, you have nothing. You're just loud noise, a, a, a clanging cymbal. It's just, it's nothing.
We have a high theology of love that is modeled on, on Jesus Christ. We, we talk about this all the time. And, and Christian love in the United States, is, it has a different connotation than it does in the rest of the world. It does not fall upon, uh, without, on my heart without any notice of what tomorrow is. I have never forgotten September 11th. The world was changed in, in the blink of an eye. And in the United States, the conversation about love by Christians was terrifying. It was instantaneous that you heard preachers from the pulpit saying, God loves everyone except for these Muslim people. You heard preachers that would say, God loves everyone except Arabs in any way, shape, or form. You heard preachers say and use passages of scriptures like this to say that it was okay to hate people in the name of God as long as you were a Christian. That's not the God I worship. But it was hard. Here's a group of people that we don't know. We don't know anything about them all, all of our whole lives. We've just been told that there were these things about these people over there. You know, it's always away from us. It wasn't until after that happened that I even knew what the nation of Islam was. And then you have to walk in their footsteps. You have to put on their clothes and you have to listen for just a moment and you find that as, as a culture, they are pacifists. But in like every other aspect of the world, there are extremist groups that come from religion. No. Really? And Al-Qaeda has nothing to do with the nation of Islam. But the way the media portrayed it, the way that the world portrayed it, the way that we all heard it. We should hate all people that are not us. That's not what Paul is talking about. We as Christians in the United States struggle with what this means. It's easy for us to hate people that are not like us. In the 815 service, I, I talked about a specific group of people that I have no problem talking about out loud because they are, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the exact opposite of what Jesus represents. And that is the, the Westboro Baptist Church in uh, Kansas, eastern Kansas. Fred Phelps teaches a message of hate. As in his God Hates Fags movement, what his whole thing was, you, you all ready for this? This is my favorite thing about what he did. As soon as the, the military decided that it was okay to have uh, people say that, yes, I'm, I'm gay in the military, uh, Fred decided that God put it upon his heart that he should go to every single veteran's funeral that was within driving range from his church and protest at that veteran's funeral with his flags that said, God hates fags. Whether they were gay or not. 
That's not, that's not my God. But I have to. According to Paul, I have to, I have to, I still have to love them. We talked about it in my Sunday school class. The, 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 the thing that was the hardest thing for me was uh, being a, a motorcyclist at the time, joining with the Patriot Guard and the Christian Motorcycle Association and the American Legion Riders as we made and forced our line in front of Fred Phelps's Westboro Baptist hate-mongering church and stood there while they yelled at us, threw stuff at us, and we were not allowed to say anything to them. It really makes you stop and think, where does this hate come from? And it's terrifying, church. It's not a Burt Baccarat song. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. You know, it's not, it's not that. It needs, it needs to be a church that recognizes that even in Christianity, we cannot give lip service anymore to what type of love God really has. We talk about it, but we do not actually reflect on how to do it. We, we don't ever talk about the inauthentic aspect or the things that are feelings based on our words or the authentic as aspect of how they're based on our actions. It's not lost on me, church, that in the same place where Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King, did and talked about being a path of peaceful resistance, that we are now creating neo-fascist, uh, neo-Nazi Christian organizations on the south part of the United States in the name of Jesus. It's not, the KKK has not gone anywhere, and they started as a, you ready? Christian organization. But where did their hate come from? Paul's words here are a utopic idea. Where, where did their hate start? Somewhere, somehow, someplace down the road, someone in the name of Jesus armed them. What would it look like if we were to wear Jesus, is what, Jesus, what Paul's talking about here. He says, you know, when you put on Christ, he's literally talking about being the armor of light. What does it look like to put on Jesus and walk around in Jesus' skin? And then when we do that, that armor of light suffocates the world of darkness in front of us. All hate will go away. And again, this is a utopic understanding. But it's possible, according to Christ, according to Paul, according to all of those that have gone on before us in such a way that put themselves in the name of Jesus Christ, Preaching a message of love, not hate. I am also a utopic thinker and believe that the world can be changed. Is it going to happen overnight? No. Will it happen with one person? No. But it can with a movement of love. Otherwise, why are we still here? 
how is it that the churches continue to grow and some still die and some, yes, the, 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 the culture right now is telling us the church is in great decline. But I think it's mostly because the church is a little nervous about standing on the line in between hate and love. Paul's understanding of this anti-unhypocritical love it connects us to the Creator in such a way that goes beyond our words and our emotions to a call for moral and beautiful action. Expressing that love name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.